Bobby, what's wrong with the car? Uh-oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all swoped up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find out. I think we should just start poking stuff. Oh, all right. All right. don't do that, folks. Tune into the Grease Gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch. On Saturday mornings <laughs> from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Ouch, that hurt! You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Hello out there. Peabody and Sherman here. Set the Wayback Machine. We enter the Wayback and we're immediately hurtled back through time and space. Hello, this is the annoying Jay Leno and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert, and we're coming to you live from Carmel, California. How are we doing out there, Vaughn? Are we doing okay? Doing pretty good, Robert. Okay, because we're doing a remote here, so, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to kind of see the cues, because normally I'm used to seeing you guys in the studio, so here I am. Anyway, um, I am actually broadcasting live from a little deli here in downtown Carmel on Ocean Ave called Kurt's Culinary. Kind of a cool little place, and uh, I wanted in here because I needed to charge my phone because the last thing you want to do when you're doing a uh, phone interviews or anything of that nature is you want to make sure your phone's charged. I always advise my my potential guests to make sure your phone is charged or use a landline. But at any rate, so this is uh, Kurt's Culinary, and they're on Ocean Ave, and they've got uh, kind of uh, cool stuff in here. And uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, antiques in here. There's uh, candies in here. There's pastries in here. There's uh, jellies. There's artwork in here. There's a lot of stuff that is done by local people. In fact, the the dishes, if you will, or the the jellies and the and things of that nature are kind of uh, homegrown in the Carmel Valley. So it's kind of cool. And uh, definitely want to check them out. Kurt's Culinary. And uh, hey, they even have a phone number here. It's eight three one six two five five two six nine. So they were gracious enough to let me borrow a corner, a swivel chair, and uh, wow, it's like in my own studio or my own office. Anyway, hey, we got a great show for you today. Now, typically what we do, the first event, which is kind of like the main car show that kicks off here in Carmel, is uh, Concourse on the Ave. And its uh, organizer is Doug Friedman. He's a good friend of ours. He's out of Atlanta, Georgia. But he comes all the way to Carmel, to Monterey Peninsula, to put on the sensational show. It's extremely collected. But this is what's really cool about it, is there's all kinds of cars here. And this is not just your typical car show. This is almost like a concourse. In fact, they actually have judging. It's going on right now as we speak. It started at 4 o'clock, and uh, they got some amazing cars there. So you've got antiques, you've got classics, you've got sports, you've got racing, you've got Porsches, you've got Ferraris. You have, there was even a 53 or 54 Cadillac station wagon, custom-built, really cool cars. A number of Shelbys, two Cobras, small block and a big block, a Lamborghini 400, which if you're familiar with Gulfstream Motorsports, my little company, uh, our logo car happens to be a 350-400 GT. One of the very first production Lamborghinis on the uh, 
on the open market. And let's see what else we have here. We have a row of muscle cars. Now, you know, what's funny is you'll see the changes in, uh, in, in the classic car lineup now. It used to be it was like a lot of heavy iron. You see a lot of Packards, Auburns, Duesenbergs, uh, sort of Fashidis. Um, Delahaye's, Elijah's, well, it's changing now because the generational shift, and of course that's a big debate, is taking place. You know, the, the, the age of the collectors and their taste, their palette and cars is changing. So we had up here a 340 automatic Dodge, or a Plymouth Barracuda convertible was out here, a 69 Charge was out here, there was a 69 428 Cobra Jet Mustang, there was uh, another Super B out there. There was a 63-and-a-half lightweight Galaxy out there. That was actually in the racing car section. A couple Trans Am Boss 302s, a number of mid-year Corvettes, just, uh, and, of course, the uh, Datsun BRE 240Z race car. Now, BRE, uh, or Datsun in particular, is uh, the celebrated marked car at Laguna Seca or uh, see, it's called WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca this year. So it's one of the featured marks. So that's pretty cool. So anyway, we got a number of guests uh, that will be coming on. These are people that I just, uh, what I do is I casually kind of walk around. I look at interesting cars. I talk to a lot of people because you just never know who you're going to meet, you know. And uh, so I, I ran across a couple of interesting guys, people I have seen around from time to time. And uh, I've invited them to be guests on our show and tell us a little bit about what they do and their experiences here uh, at Concourse on the Ave on uh, Ocean Ave here in downtown Carmel. Vaughn. We have uh, one of our first guests on the line. Go ahead and call him now. I think what uh, what you might want to do is, uh, well, you you call him. Let me know when he's on the line, and then what I'll do is I'll just keep uh, I'll keep chit chatting. And um, you know, you hear me talking, and I say this all the time. There's four major events that you guys have to go to each year, and uh, it starts in January with Scottsdale, then it goes to March, which is Amelia Island. In fact, I ran into Bill Warner. He's the founder and chairperson, and uh, the organizer. Well, just the, simply the founder of Amelia Island, which is probably the most spectacular car show in the country. And, and from a standpoint of a car show concourse, he has probably the most unique selection of cars. Um, then in the summertime, third week in uh, August every year, you had the Monterey Collector Car Week, and then, of course, SEMA. SEMA is, uh, is great. All the guys you see on TV, on History Channel, and on, uh, on Velocity, you'll see them there. It's mostly it's a B2B deal, so you have to be in the business, but uh, it's the place to go. It's a giant candy store for car guys, okay? There, anything and anything you can imagine, you know, uh, aftermarket accessories and stuff is there. And, of course, the major manufacturers are there as well. So you've got Ford Motor Company, you've got General Motors, and, of course, you've got uh, Chrysler Corporation there. We have John on the line. I would like to uh, take this moment to introduce uh, John Hagstrom. John was sitting behind this really cool, very early, perhaps, the earliest known 66 Hertz Shelby in existence. John, welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Tell us a little bit about your car. Boy, it's glad to talk to you guys. What an event out here at the Concord on the Avenue. Yes, this car uh, is the uh, earliest number Shelby Hertz car in existence. Uh, the first two prototypes I got to see as a boy uh, going over to Nassau for the speed week there. I was down at the pier watching them load it, and I always wanted one. And as most people know that most Shelbys are black with the gold stripes, and this one is white with the blue stripes, and it never had an H by the 350. And I think the reason for it was is because they needed brake test cars up in San Francisco, and it's an early car. got the uh, uh, um, Detroit locker in it. None of the Hertz cars had those, and it's also got the wood wheel. 
and uh, it's also got a, a handbrake light on it that that um, they wanted up in San Francisco. So it was up there from February of 1966, and then it came back down to Shelby, and most of the cars never went back to Shelby. They, they would go to the Ford dealers in the area or Hertz would sell them. And it ended up with a supercharger on it. And then it was down there for two months, and then it went to Hayward Ford up in San Jose and was sold. And the supercharger is one of the early models, and it also had a plenum on it that uh, Shelby had made, one of the prototypes, and it also had the um, Le Mans carburetor on it. So it's a pretty interesting car. It's an automatic, and yes, it's got the C-Servo on it, and Shelby believed in the automatics. And the reason he did is he thought that you could never miss a shift. And that's the car. It's, it's uh, white with blue, and most people know that the white and blue is America's racing colors that uh, Briggs Cunningham had, had sort of invented. And um, I'm very happy. I'm a Shelby person, and as I told you, uh, that book to come out, uh, Cobra Pilote, that talks about how Shelby's production cars started. Most people don't know. They started in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Continental Motors. Now, it's funny you mentioned that because that was something that I did not know, and I've been a long-time Shelby aficionado. As a matter of fact, I'm also one of the state reps for the Shelby Club, and that was a new piece of uh, history that I learned today. So uh, I want to thank you for that. And like I said, you just never know who you meet, and you never know what you're going to learn. So yeah, tell us a little yeah. bit more about yourself, too, because uh, you're actually from Florida, and you're out here in California. So give us a little background on yourself. Well, I learned um, I learned how to fly in Miami at Opelika, and I wanted to be an airline pilot. And I started to fly at uh, in my teens, and I used to have to hitchhike out to Opelika Airport because I lost my driver's license for drag racing and speeding. <laughs> I could fly an airplane, but I couldn't drive a car legally. And um, I was lucky enough to get hired by Pacific Southwest Airlines. They're the ones that had the smile on the front of them, and I was very blessed. I flew up and down California. I started out in the Electro because um, that's why they hired me. We were flying the San Francisco to Lake Tahoe and L.A. to Tahoe, and it was for the ski stuff. And uh, it was, uh, and it was uh, a very, very wonderful thing. And then I got transferred over to 727, and I flew that for a while. And then I went to the BAE 146, and you know what that is, don't you? No. Do I'm, I'm, you know what BAE stands for? No. Bring another engine because... And we used to have two or three of them sitting on the ground with all four engines off of them because the other engines broke. That's, that's a polite way to put it. But they finally got that solved, and it was a great airplane. And then U.S. Air bought us, and I went to the 767, and then I was on that for a short, short time, and then went to the 737 and finished my career on that. And um, okay. I found Carmel uh, was they transferred me to San Francisco and I didn't want to live up there. And I ended up um, commuting from here up to there because there was 13 flights a day. It took me seven minutes to get from my door to the airport, three minutes from my car to the terminal. And from the terminal to the uh, airplane was about two minutes because they let you off and I didn't have to go through security. So it was a very nice thing to live in Carmel, and it turned out to be a luckout. Laguna Seca's here. I raced for a while, 
and I've been very blessed and very lucky. Well, now, you were also telling me, I want to jump back to Florida for our Florida fans here, that you actually flew a triangle in Florida. So you flew what? South Florida? Oh, Tampa? Florida. Go ahead. Yep. It was Air Florida when they first started. Um, well, they first started flying a 707 on that route because they, they got grandfathered in by the state of Florida. And I can't remember, it was PGC or something like that. So we would fly, they called it the triangle, and we would fly from Miami to St. Petersburg and fly into St. Petersburg Airport and then Orlando and then Orlando to Miami and then back the same way. And uh, it was very, very interesting working with Air Florida. And then I was lucky enough uh, to get hired by PSA, which Air Florida was trying to be. Uh, PSA was California's airline. And and then we started going into Tampa. I took the first flight with PSA. I'm sorry, U.S. Oh, try it again. The first flight with Air Florida into um, in, into, uh, into Tampa. Tampa when they opened it up. And I think Tampa is one of the most wonderful airports. The sculpture's inside of it. And... Um, uh, it's it, and the trams. I think it was so so modern for the time, and that was a long time ago. Just out of curiosity, since you're a pilot, you know, and if you had to rate airports from a pilot standpoint to 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 take off and land, um, is there logistics there that uh, that pilots prefer? You know, airports over other airports. Well. I used to, before we got TCAS, which would show where little airplanes are and their transponders and their altitudes, I used to hate going out of Orange County. And what would happen is they would make you pull the power back a quarter percent so it was quiet going over Balboa and you'd go into what they call the VFR corridor. And what that was, uh, you couldn't see the little airplanes because the nose was cocked up so high. So that I didn't like. The other airport that was scary going into was uh, LaGuardia um, because you you would come over the river and you would land on the short runway and at the end of it was a gas station. And I never really liked that, but I got proficient at it. And it was also, that was the same flight that Sullenberger was taking uh, years later. But it was also one of the most beautiful. It's coming up from Charlotte. And they cleared us to the lady, and I looked at the first officer and said, what's it say on the chart? And, of course, the lady's the Statue of Liberty, and it was a beautiful, clear day. And then we went to the Statue of Liberty, got to fly over, and then make a left-hand turn and then do the standard airport arrival into LaGuardia. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, do you miss flying? Yes. I still fly. Okay. I, I got my license back. As you saw, I got Guillaume Beret. And um, my legs aren't strong, but they're getting better. And uh, to me, I can't imagine a life. I, I just got the Wright Brother Award for 50 years of flying without an incident. And uh, I can't imagine a life without flying. It, it took you to many interesting places. When I lived in Miami, I would go to Leticia, Columbia, which is out in the middle of the jungle, still had headhunters. I would go to Tegucigalpa. I would go to Barbados. And... Um, I flew out of a place in Miami called Corrosion Corner or Cockroach Corner where all the old airplanes were, huh. C-6s, and, and, uh, it w and it was flying freight. And uh, every trip was uh, different because uh, 
you didn't know where you were going or what you were going to do. And, you know, you planned your own flight plans and you, you, you did your own uh, stuff. And sometimes I would have to offload the airplane with the guys 30,000 pounds or else wait five or six hours. So we just humped it and bumped it and dumped it. And uh, that was it too. Wow. Fascinating. Well, John, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the air here a little bit with us at Nostalgic Video and Cars, and I know you're enjoying the show here. And I'll tell you what I'll do. Since you're a really fascinating guy and you've got tons and tons of stories and you're a very good talker, I would like to invite you to come back on Nostalgic Video and Cars sometime down the road, and we can talk a little bit more about uh, some of the other stuff you've done and, uh, in your career as well as racing at Laguna Seca and some of the events that you helped uh, organize while you were here over the last uh, 10 years or so. I, I've been very blessed, and any Shelby people out there or Florida people, Think the world of you guys, and um, I would love to come back. Okay, and make sure you tell everybody that they need to come to Monterey and check out this Monterey Collector Car Week event, because this is incredible, this isn't week, it? This week, I've gone to car events all over the world. It's beyond your imagination. There is no way anybody could see all of it. And the airport show that Gordon has in Quail, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And we all started out working at Pebble Beach. So did Doug, who runs this show. He was one of the Ferrari judges there. And, and we were talking about uh, Amelia Island. So does uh, Warner. He, he Bill Warner. one of the judges. Yep. Bill Warner, a prince of a man like like uh, Doug. And again, it's a lot of fun, a lot of people. And it's F-R-E-E for the Concord on the Avenue. Super. All right, John, you take care. And we'll be in touch. Okay, bye. I'll see you around. Best to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was our guest, uh, John Hagstrom, and he's got one of the rare early 66 Shelby Hertz rent-a-cars, rent-a-racers. And let's see. we got another guest coming along. How are we doing there, Vaughn? Doing pretty good. Uh, I can go ahead and call him now, and if you want to go yeah, to go a commercial ahead. break yeah, or something like that. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and call our next guest. Try to get him on the line, and uh, I'll let you go eeny, meeny, miny, moe. In the meantime, I'll talk a little bit about some of the other cars that are here. And then uh, let me know when we got our guests on the line, okay? Sounds good. Very good. Anyway, okay, well, John is, uh, here's how they have this. Now, imagine, um, I'm trying to think of a street. Let's just say, imagine, if you guys are familiar with Safety Harbor, okay, because Safety Harbor, every year in the fall, they have the uh, British Car Show, and all our good buddies over there from the Tampa Bay British Car Club. Now, they have these little feeder streets that are off to the side, okay? So on these feeder streets, there's all, they're also lined with cars. So the main drag has got cars on both sides, and they're all backed in. And then at the far end of the uh, at the street is basically like the stage area, you know. So what they do is all throughout the day they have people come in with very select cars and they roll the cars up there or they drive them up there and then they basically get out and you have Donald Osborne, which you're familiar with him. He's the appraiser that's on the Jay Leno show. Assess and caress. You have uh, Ed Justice, who is from Justice Brothers uh, Products. He's one of the MCs. And you have Alan Decadney, and uh, Alan Decadney is a well-known racer out of the 70s and 80s and 90s. And so these three gentlemen kind of divvy up the task of, uh, uh, or the chores of interviewing people. So then what they do is they have people come out around with select cars and they interview them and they talk to them and everybody sits around there and it's kind of like a, like an open stadium. It's really nice. And then at four o'clock, the judges are done early in the day. They're done by 11 o'clock. And then they, then the people walk around the judges and they tell certain people that they're out, they're up for an award. Then the awards are announced. Okay, then all the cars will drive up there. So from four to five, all the, the show cars, people have won awards. They basically will drive the cars up there, and, they, and their awards are presented to them, and they give a little speech and a story about their cars. So it's really cool the way they do that. But on these little side roads, you know, they're lined with cars as well. And, and the neat thing is, is they're broken up in groups. So that's why I said it's just an amazing collection of cars. So whether you have German cars over here, you might have Porsche, Mercedes, BMW. You might have race cars over here. You might have 
uh, group of Shelby's over here. There's one street that's just got nothing but Mini Coopers on it. There's a collection of Volkswagens here. So you've got some vintage Volkswagens, early 50s Volkswagens, uh, mid-60s Volkswagens, Volkswagen buses. Uh, you've got Jaguars. You've got Daimlers. You've got uh, Cunninghams. You've got uh, a number of vintage Aston Martins. There's Healy. There's Jaguars. There's Triumph. There's even a Spitfire here. And, of course, you know, Porsches and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Maseratis. So it's just an amazing selection of cars. But this year I thought was really interesting. It's fact that they had a lot of muscle cars, one street, one block dedicated to to uh, muscle cars. So that was uh, kind of interesting. And uh, so anyway, hey, Ron, how are we doing? Uh, both uh, no answer at the moment, but I will keep trying. Okay, keep trying, Massimo. And uh, so anyway, um, yeah, the two guests that, uh, that we kind of tentatively have scheduled Come on, our um, Massimo is uh, a writer for Octane Magazine out of England, and he's also now uh, tied in heavily with Lamborghini. Now, there's uh, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Orsi, who is uh, part of the original Maserati family. Maserati was sold, I think, in the late 40s, early 50s, and uh, then the Maserati brothers decided to go off and start a new car, and that car was called, I believe, Oscar. And since the Maserati brothers, as well as uh, Ferrari, and guys like uh, the Duesenberg brothers, for example, a lot of those guys, all they were really primarily interested in was building race cars. They wanted to go racing. But in order to support the racing um side of their their passion so to speak they had to build street cars uh, or they had to design and build street cars for other people so obviously Duesenberg we know they built race cars and street cars we know that uh, Maserati built street cars and race cars and we also know that uh, another little guy well-known guy here in the United States did the same thing and, uh, and he's one that's probably the most famous at least in uh, American racing history now Briggs Huntingham was another guy he built uh, race cars too and he started with uh, some foreign cars and homologated uh, Cadillacs Chryslers all kinds of stuff in uh, their car- Cadillac engines I think was a big thing Allard was another one but Allard's I believe were built in England I'm not well up on Allard history but uh, you'll see those cars out at the track and uh, the thing about um, this particular event is, oh, yeah, what's really cool, and i got to back up here for a second, there's one road that's dedicated strictly to race cars. Now, what they do, and this has become a tradition, a lot of the cars, particularly the Trans Am cars and the road race cars that will be racing at Laguna Seca this weekend, and I say Laguna Seca because I'm old school, and that's when I was growing up, it was Laguna Seca, just like Sears Point or Sonoma Raceway, which became Infineon and then went back to Sonoma Raceway. In the old days when it first opened up, it was called Sears Point. So Sears Point slash Sonoma Raceway because it's in Sonoma, California, so that's why they call it Sonoma. But Sears Point's the original name, just like Laguna Seca is Laguna Seca. But anyway, so the cars that were actually out there to, uh, that will be racing. Now, Laguna Seca racetrack is about, mm, I'm going to say 15 miles, maybe no more than 20, but let's just say somewhere between 15 and 20 miles from downtown Carmel. So basically, and these are race cars, full-blown race cars running on racing fuel. These cars are not anywhere close to being street legal. I mean, the engine gearing, I mean, the engines, the gearing, the fuel, everything. So what they get is they get a police escort from the gates at Laguna Seca all the way to downtown Carmel. And they probably, like around 11, uh, 10 o'clock, they'll come roaring down here. They come down the side streets, and you can hear them. This is no lie, because this is like a little valley. It's really cool here. And the houses are really co- close together. It's very quaint, very picturesque. Very, and we're right, really right in the middle of the Del Monte Forest. 
Okay, and I'm sure you're familiar with the name Del Monte. It's Del Monte Foods. Um, this is like the Del Monte area where, you know, there's a lot of uh, agriculture in this area, and they're huge in that industry. At any rate, uh, so here comes these Trans-M cars like around 10 o'clock, and the streets are just echoing. And then and they intentionally rev the engine. They want you to know that they're coming, you know, and they'll come in one by one, right following each other, and then they stop them, and then they one by one they let them come down the side street, and they back them up, and they line them, and all you hear is, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, and it's just really, really cool. And it's just incredible to see the difference or listen to the difference between some of the souped-up race cars that are basically six-cylinders, four-cylinders, and eight-cylinders, because these things are all tricked out. And uh, so that's really, really cool. And, of course, they'll run them down there uh, when they do the awards presentation as well or sometimes during the day when they have a feature cars. And they will rev the engines, and it's just really cool. It just gets you going. just makes your blood boil. It's really cool. Anyway, Laguna Seca, there's roughly – and we had uh, Brad Littlefield on a couple of weeks. He's the uh, media director or um, public relations person for WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. I think I said it right that time. And uh, so they've got 300 and some odd cars, 330, 340 cars that will actually be racing on the track. But I think there's something like 500 cars that will actually be there. Plus they have feature marks there, like I said, the BRE cars, the Datsuns that race there, the Nissan, for example, I think is the, the feature car. So uh, Nissan uh, uh, Racing of America will be there. And I think uh, if you go back maybe about six months ago, we had a gentleman on by the name of Kaz Kasten. Kaz Kasten was in charge of the Nissan racing program um, for the USA back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And then, uh, and they were doing, they were very, very, very successful. P. Brock was BRE, which is Brock Racing Enterprises. He was real successful in campaigning Datsuns, you know, um, back in the late 60s. So from 68, 69, 70, 71, 72. And they won. It was funny because there was a number of races that were basically contested by BRE. Because he was competing against, let's say, BMWs, Alfa Romeos, and stuff. And the Alfa Romeos, which were driven primarily by European drivers, got caught cheating, of all things. Can you imagine anybody cheating and racing? No way. There was a guy here locally, a friend of mine. His favorite saying was, cheat, cheat, hard to beat. And, uh, you know, it's just, just it's, you're not cheating until you get caught. That's just kind of the way racers look at it. But anyway, so uh, they, uh, Dachshund won the uh, world championship in uh, its class in Trans Am a number of years. And uh, so they're great cars. And uh, like I said, there was a one. There was a 240Z here. John Morton's car was on display. In fact, we've had both John Morton and Peter Brockman on our show uh, in the past. So, uh, but now we've had Cash Castner on, and like I said, he was in charge of the Nissan GTP program for, which is the prototype program for uh, Nissan of North America. And um, so that was kind of exciting. Vaughn, how are we doing? Any luck uh, we're still doing. <laughs> well, I'm uh, waiting on them for a callback. Uh, in the meantime, we could take a break or. You know, anything else you yeah, like why don't you do, do that? Let's go. Uh, you got something on the turntable there? Yeah, we got Albert yeah. Hammond, It Never Rains in Southern California. That's a good one. Okay, let's do that. We'll take a commercial break. Hey, you're tuned to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Got on board a westbound 747. What to do All that talk of opportunity TV breaks and movies Rang true Sure and true 
This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Hi, this is Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. All right, Brian, are we back? Are we live again? Yes, sir. Okay, good. Hey, well, you know what? Like I was telling you before, you just never know who you run into. And uh, as I'm perusing around here, I ran into a couple of friends of mine. Of course, he's busy uh, snacking on some desserts right now, but uh, we're going to talk to John Cruz from Worldwide Auctions, if I'm correct, right? So, John, how you doing? Welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and tell us a little bit about what you think is the coolest thing here at... During Monterey Car Week, besides your auction. And we're right here, we're on Concourse on the app. So feel free. This is a live audience, and we're live. And yeah, cool. well, it's good to see you. You know, I think that one of the best parts about Car Week is, of course, you see a lot of old friends uh, that you haven't seen for maybe a year or maybe six months or maybe longer. Uh, so that's always a great, great part of it. And, you know, when you come to these different events, you know, auctions are great. That's what we do. But... The Concours events, when you see people who you haven't seen before with a car that they really love and they're super passionate about it, and to be able to just learn those stories, hear those stories, meet those people, you know, really 
the car collecting hobby is about the people and the experiences that we have with the cars, really more than the cars. And that's what I think is what's super special about Pebble Car Week. Now, tell us a little about the two cars you have here in your uh, display. You're right here on Ocean Avenue uh, in the middle of the uh, Concourse on the Ave. You've got two, you got the best spot in the house here, by the way. Not to mention you got some really nice comfy couches here. So tell us about these two gorgeous cars you got here. Sure. We've got uh, Tabalago uh, here, which is a spectacular car. And we also have uh, 4GT, but it's not just your everyday 4GT. It's actually the prototype car. Uh, so it's a 2004. It's got so many unique features, but one that everybody can kind of relate to is the first car that Ford took over 200 miles an hour. And for a prototype test car to survive is very rare. And this car actually is tag titled and street legal. Oh, wow. It's a very special car. It's actually selling uh, no reserve to the highest bidder at our auction in Auburn, Indiana here in about 10 days. But the Talbo we're selling here Thursday. Our auction is 5 o'clock Thursday p.m. So the first catalog auction of, of the week. And, and we also brought a 72 Dino in super cool green metallic, which is a very rare color, original for that car uh, that's down in the Dino class, which is one of the things I was mentioning, the, to have those special classes, that's one that they featured here uh, at, at the Carmel Concourse. So neat cars, and, you know, we're glad that you and everybody else are here to see them. Well, now, the interesting thing about the Dino is it's the 50-year anniversary of the Ferrari Dino. Yep. And interesting, too, someone mentioned a long time ago, and I've always noticed it, but there's no Cavallino on the Dino. It's just strictly a Dino with Dino logos and Dino script on it. So are you, uh, does, uh, does, is there anything, any, any, any history you can shed on that? You know, um, there's, there's a lot of folks who uh, are – are viewing Dinos as not full Ferraris. I think most people do. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, they're beautiful cars. They're great to drive. And so I like them. Okay. And besides, Dino was Enzo Ferrari's son's name. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I think it's so it a tribute think, to him. I think it's a neat part of Ferrari history, whichever side of that. You know, debate, if you will, you land on. Okay. Blake, can you talk a little bit? Now, I have my good buddy here, Blake Godby. Blake actually, his dad has a shop or a, a beautiful store in Sarasota, Florida called Vintage Motor Works, correct? Vintage Motors of Sarasota. Vintage Motors of Sarasota. So, Blake, why don't you go ahead and tell a little bit uh, about your affiliation now because you're kind of like, uh, is he, is, is John, is he now the newest member of... Uh, yeah, Blake uh, is the uh, sharpest and also one of the youngest car specialists in the auction industry. And despite any age, doesn't matter. Uh, Blake's great at doing deals and dealing with people, and it's awesome to have somebody that's younger that's as passionate and into cars as Blake is. We're, we're jacked that he's on the worldwide team. Well, I have to say this, and I mean this sincerely. When I met Blake, he was 16. By the time he was 18, I have to admit, shamefully, that he knew more about a lot of cars than I did, and I'm thinking, gee whiz, I've been at this for 40 years, and Blake knows more about it, especially stuff like these Delahays, Delages, and his dad's a Rolls-Royce specialist, as well as in British cars and Bentleys, and so, Blake, my hat's off to you. You're, 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 you're truly a gifted person when it comes to our profession. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Obviously, it's a very long learning process, but I love the cars, so it's, uh, it's great to just keep learning and seeing more things, and it's more than just a hobby for me. I make it more of my entire life from 
you know, morning till night, it's just cars for me. Would you encourage other millennials to get into the hobby? Yes, I would, for sure. I mean, there's something for everybody from small cars to, like, an Isetta to a Delahaye to a Bugatti. I mean, there's something for everybody in our industry. Tell us about some of the featured cars that are going to be over the auction on Thursday night there with uh, Worldwide. Uh, as John mentioned, we have the 72 Dino, but we're also selling a, we're selling three Duesenbergs. Uh, amazing cars, absolutely spectacular. Oh, and one of my favorites, very rare red 2008 CLK 63 Black Series. Um, incredible condition, along with a 993 Turbo, owned by the same owner, one-owner car, and a one-owner E-Type as well, Series 2 in Opal S and Blue. It will be sold by the original owner at the auction on Thursday. That's pretty amazing right there. Sold yeah. by the original owner. And it's one of the most winning Series 2 E-Types in the world. Great colors. Everything. History is fabulous. Mike, tell us a little about some of the cars here. It kind of struck your face up here, up and down uh, Congress on the Ave or Ocean Avenue here. So we have a, always, there's always a load of 356s, which is great to see, but I saw a pre-A 356, I guess that's how you would call it, uh, in a silver-green color. That's absolutely spectacular. Coop. Um, there was also a killer kind of random TR8 race car that's right behind us that sounds like it's, you know, the five million miles an hour sitting still. Yeah, and then they have an incredible selection of uh, BMW 2002s, 1600s, and uh, the BMW 2002 Turbo, which is one of my favorite cars of all time. Well, yeah, you have a 1600, don't you yourself? I no longer have that car, but I'd like to buy another one one day. Super. Now, uh, what about this little Alpha that's over here? Is that uh, that's kind of an odd? Is that kind of like a Zagato uh, Javi or something like that? What do you know about that one? I'm not too much about it. I know it's for, for surely a Zagato, but I'm not super because uh, like and you're, and I know you're up on a lot of this stuff too because there was a lot of noted Italian designers: Zagato, Bertone, Vinifarina, Gia. Yeah. Uh, you know, so what people don't realize is a lot of these cars they always made uh, a handful of. Let's say one-offs. Is there anything here that you saw that you thought was kind of interesting besides... Uh, and I don't reason I pointed that one out because it's like 30 feet from us, and it's kind of interesting looking. Uh, I haven't seen too many one-offs in particular. Uh -huh. I've just seen a lot of great examples of rare cars, you know, one of 500, one of 1,000, one of 50. Mm -hmm. uh, just lots of rare examples of that. Um, the 30, uh, the Lamborghini... 350 earlier. Oh, yeah. That's great color. Blue. It's on the back of my... It's now my logo car. There you go. <laughs> interesting, yeah. interesting. All right. I totally should have gotten the award that it did. I'm glad it did. What, um, what does your dad have in the shop right now? Anything interesting down there? At, um, um, any motors? He has the Sultana Brunei's S600, uh, bulletproof. You can throw three grenades underneath it, and the car will continue to go. Oh, wow. Um, 220S cab. Um, what else does he have down there? Do you there? have his usual array of very rare cars in there? Like, uh, well, now tell us about the museum. You got a museum there, too. So we have the museum. We are actually selling 43 of our cars uh, in Auburn, my okay. family's collection in Auburn, September 1st. Okay. So we're going to be getting fresh cars for the museum and um, for the dealership as well. Okay. So it'll be fresh stuff for that and um, just 
New toys. Good. I'm excited for that. John, you want to go ahead and plug the auction here real quick? So for our listeners, if they want to, is it streamed live? Is there a way they can see it on yeah, TV? Yeah, WorldwideAuctioneers.com. WorldwideAuctioneers.com. You can go on Thursday afternoon, California time, uh, 5 o'clock California time, and you can watch live stream. Uh, obviously, if you're out here on the peninsula, love to have you stop by the auction. Uh, but definitely watch live. It'll be a lot of fun. And we we are serious about cars and our auctions. But while we do that, we're also very mindful that this is supposed to be fun. So I think that we're the most serious but still have fun, which I think is very important. Okay. Uh, real quick, why don't you plug Auburn? Because that's a huge show. I've been to that before. Yeah, so, you know, Auburn, Indiana is really the birthplace of the collector car auction industry. And I was born and raised there. Uh, still there, and we actually have our auction inside uh, the museum. So right where they built L29 Cords, no kidding. Uh, all our auction cars are there, so it's a fabulous atmosphere. Uh, we have uh, a number of collections, there's actually six no-reserve collections. So there's 106 no-reserve cars, so those cars sell the highest bid regardless of price. We have some very significant cars, like the GT prototype we talked about earlier, but we also have a lot of cars that are pretty affordable, uh, you know, even some that might sell for as little as five or ten thousand. So there really is something for everybody. Pre-war American classics. We got sports cars from Europe. Uh, we've got supercars, '50s cars. Uh, it's gonna be a really spectacular, uh, really spectacular event. And uh, also, note, uh, Mr. Jack Steele has one of the finest Pontiac collections in the world. He's been collecting for uh, decades, refining, upgrading. Uh, so he has 24 of the best Pontiacs on the planet that are all selling to the highest bid of regards to price. So that's a pretty exciting time, and and we're we're looking forward to it. And that's only you know 11 days away if I'm doing my math right or 12. Uh, how does that work timing wise? Because ordinarily this is the second week, but I think there was a PGA tournament, so they bumped this whole event back one week, which is actually amazing when you think about it. But nothing more amazing than what they did at Amelia Island, moved the whole event. One day ahead, that's in trouble because of weather. But so, how do you think this is gonna? But but you have a East Coast, West Coast, kind of like a different market in it a little bit. You know, the market out here, there will be a lot of the same folks participate. But uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of Pontiacs for sale on the Monterey Peninsula right now, <laughs> and and so that's kind of a Midwest uh, heartland kind of a, a thing. So there's certainly a lot of folks who won't do both. And for us as an auction company, you, know, you think, oh crap, you're doing two auctions and. 10 days ago, we had our Hudson Museum auction that we sold just a couple weeks ago. So actually had three auctions in 24 days. Uh, but we're auctioneers, and we love it. More auctions, the better. It's, it's a lot of fun. So uh, our team's been working hard, and uh, it, it's been a blast. And a lot of your listeners have probably seen some PR and media about uh, the Beatles cars that we have. We have John Lennon's last car, which is a, uh, the first Mercedes diesel wagon that came into the United States. And we also have Paul McCartney's personal custom-bodied Mini Cooper S, uh, which is spectacular. He and Linda actually on their first date in it. Uh, he knows the car very well. If, if anyone that's listening knows him, they can ask him about it. But those are really special cars, selling no reserve to the highest bidder in Auburn, Indiana. So we're bringing rock and roll. As most people know, the Hall of Fame is in the Midwest, and so we're selling those cars in the Midwest. Uh, but that's a lot of fun, and I think people will – enjoy watching those and maybe even trying to buy them. Very good. How many cars at Auburn? 
There's 114 cars. Again, 106 of them are no reserve signed to the highest bidder. So it, it's going to be an exciting Saturday afternoon and evening in Auburn, Indiana. Okay, by comparison here in Monterey, how many cars are you going to be selling? We have 60 cars here. Uh, so most of the auctions out here, uh, the catalog, you know, boutique sales, it's going to be about 60 or 70 cars a night. Some have multiple nights. But it's kind of, there's so many events out here. You don't want to do anything really more than three, four hours. So uh, in, in Auburn, Indiana, uh, you're there for cars, and there's not as many other things to do. Uh, so you can sell a few more cars, and, and it's okay. Uh, there are a lot of things going on in Auburn, but they're all uh, close by and car-related. So uh, a little bit of contrast, but you're talking about maybe a couple hours longer in Auburn. Than here. Now, typically up there, they have the Auburn Cord. Duesenberg Museum, which now you said is where you're going to be actually doing your your event. Yeah, there's there's two museums, the Auburn Court Duesenberg Museum and the National Auto and Truck Museum, which are a joint National Historic Landmark. Okay. Uh, so we are actually in the National Auto and Truck Museum. It's 15 feet behind the ACD Museum. So all of the museum things are going on. The Auburn Court Duesenberg Festival. Uh, of course, RM has an auction as well in town, which is outstanding out at the auction park. Uh, and then the festival has some really special things. There's special things that happen here on the Monterey Peninsula. But in Auburn, uh, probably one of the coolest cruise-ins in the world takes place. Friday night of Labor Day weekend, and they shut down not just the courthouse square, but all the surrounding streets. And you've got Duesenbergs and folktail speedsters, and it's really a special time uh, that's unlike anything else anywhere in the world. It's, it's really a special place. Well, John, Blake, I want to thank both of you guys for coming on Nostalgia Goodwin Cars for us for a few minutes. I will be at the auction. Awesome. So I will see you guys there. I was there last year for your inaugural event. You had Good some man. amazing cars. I will be there this year and uh, look forward to uh, maybe a uh, one of these days I'll have to get back to Auburn and I might have to pick up something. Now, wait a minute. Now, when I was there years ago, they used to have a swap meet there at the Festival Park. Do they still do that? They still do. Yep, okay. absolutely. Yeah, and, of course, the Albuquerque Duesenberg Club also has their judge meets. They're looking at 250 or 300 cars in a judged concours, but they're all Auburn Sports and Duesenberg. It's really a spectacular thing to see. And this year, uh, we, I say we, I'm a life member of the club, are featuring speedsters. Uh, oh, so wow. Not just folktale speedsters from Auburn, but also some from Duesenberg and Courts. So it'll be a really, really neat uh, weekend. I'd like to also point out that you're, what, third generation, fourth generation uh, car collector, auctioneer? I'm a third generation auctioneer. My grandfather went to the Rupert School of Auctioneering in 1952, and I now own the school. So I actually train auctioneers. Blake really? graduated. Oh. And, uh, we're, we're big into education. You know, these cars are fun. Uh, they're an investment. They're a hobby. But they're also really powerful tools that we can use uh, to help a lot of people do a lot of things. That, and the auction platform is something else we like to do uh, a lot of educational things with. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I love auction. Okay. Can you do us a uh, sign-off, a little roll, uh, a little auction? Sure. How much do you want to bid here? We'll give it about uh, 500000 I have it. Thank you. Now seven fifty. Now $1 million on the GT prototype. A million I have it. Anyone else want to bid? Sold. He got it right there for a million dollars. 
good. All right. Very good. All right, Blake, again, John, thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you guys at the auction. Take care. Thank you very much. All right, hey, just in case you guys were wondering, that was a real live deal there. That's a real live auctioneer. Spiel pitch from John himself, the man who runs the auctioneer school. So if you want to learn how to be an auctioneer, get hold of John Cruz. Now, that one car that went by a little while ago, if you were listening, was uh, a really good sounding car. That was uh, a Ferrari 330 GTC, GTC Cabriolet. Actually, it's a two-seat car, but there's a jump seat in the back, but absolutely incredible car. So, again, I cannot emphasize uh, how cool this event is. I'm walking down the street right now. A lot of the cars uh, have been judged. Some of the cars are leaving now. The fog is starting to roll in. This is the beauty of the Monterey Peninsula. You know, we're, like I said, we're in the middle of the... Uh, the Del Monte Forest, okay, and I mean, you know, you got all the wildfires going on in Northern California and Southern California, but this area right here, it's like it's God country and it's protected. It's so cool here and slightly damp, slightly moist, but yet still dry, that there's just that right balance that I don't think there'll ever be a fire here. So all these cars are always going to be well protected. Oh, yeah, one more car I forgot about. It's the 50-year anniversary of the Tucker. So you're going to see a lot of Tuckers. In fact, they're one of the featured cars at the Pebble Beach Concourse. And right now, I'm at the square, and a 1948 Tucker is leaving, and everybody's filming it as we speak. And he's going down that little side street there where I told you about all the Trans Am cars. Oh, yeah, there's a couple Datsun Roadsters there, uh, the 1600s, 1500s, and uh, 2000s. A couple of those are there. Uh, Ferrari BB512. Well, he was talking earlier about that... Uh, the green Porsche, the pre-A cars, it's actually a, uh, a uh, early pre-A bumper car. In fact, it's sitting right next to the green, the green Ferrari, uh, the green, yeah, Ferrari Dino. So anyway, well, let's see. Uh, let me switch this phone over here. Hopefully I can figure out what I'm doing here. All right, I'm off speakerphone. Can you hear me okay there, Vaughn? Okay, good. So we got about a minute or so, something like that. All right, so we got a BB-512 sitting here. We got a Ferrari Daytona Spider, and then of course, probably one of the most beautiful cars is the Ferrari Lusso sitting down here. 250 GT Lusso, absolutely gorgeous car. Stephen Queen on one of those. Beautiful car. And uh, so, anyway, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to the Celebrating Cars. Don't forget to check us out every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and we're working on Instagram every Tuesday night. Tell your friends. We can hear some of the most fascinating, legendary people in the world of motorsports and in the collective car world. Don't forget, follow uh, Worldwide. they got some pretty amazing cars. But not only they have Worldwide, there's Gooding, there's Russo and Steel, there's Meekums out here, RMs out here. And uh, so it's just a lot of car auctions out here. The races, the car shows, Pebble Beach, Legends of the Autobahn. The Works Reunion, a lot of really, really cool stuff, okay? And the Concorso, all Italian cars. So in the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. You know today destroys a night, night divides a day. Try to run, try to hide, break on through to the other side, break on through to the other side. Chased our pleasures here, dug our treasures there. I can't still recall the time we cried. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side.
there's a fella in there will pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.